Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Peter Peng, who is the founder and CEO of Jetson. Jetson is the Shopify of voice commerce. Now, the buying experience for today's voice assistance is very limited, providing only single-shot recommendations back to the user. When enabled, Jetson's technology adds true commerce capabilities to these voice assistants by enabling multi-step conversations, which allow users to explore a menu or a catalog, customize products, and transact them in a very natural and unconstrained way. Jetson also enables businesses of any size to easily sell products and services through voice interfaces using Jetson's end-to-end platform. It's an incredible company. This is truly innovative in the voice space, something I've been building since 2017. And there's a lot of excitement ahead. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode with Peter, where he dives into how this even got started, talking about his equity crowdfunding to, to fund Jetson and raising you know, multi-millions actually through that. And they have a campaign coming up soon. And really all the ins and outs of this business. Super excited. And the show notes are justgrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show, leave a rating and a review over an Apple podcast. And of course, the weekly grind, my weekly newsletter, it comes out every Friday with tips, tools, and strategies for growing up business and just cool companies that I find every week are in there as well at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Peter Pang, the founder and CEO of Jetson. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great great to have you on and obviously talking about Jetson. Where I want to start for people here who don't know what Jetson is or haven't heard of Jetson, what is Jetson? So Jetson is a uh, voice-first marketplace um, that allows businesses of any size to easily come online and start selling on uh, different conversational channels. So think about you know how the emerging uh, smart speaker market like the Alexa, Google Home, Yep. Um, is is happening. Um, it allows uh, businesses to really start selling on this new uh, channel, which um, is certainly uh, going to become the new interface. It's going to become like the new mobile because everything is starting to go touchless, especially with you know um, you know what we're dealing with today. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it's kind of a coincidence, but um, at the end of the day, um, you know the way we look at it is, you know. Our technology has always been kind of really at the forefront, and you know, if if you really look at, um, you know, our business model, it's really just you know the Shopify of voice AI, right? So yeah, it really just allows everybody to uh, come online and start selling, and really start to um, mass proliferate AI technology, and especially provide real utility to the voice assistants of today. Yeah, and with that too, and yeah, just with the topic of COVID and that, has that have you seen a spike in your company sales or your growth because of COVID, or has it been uh, kind of same? I'm curious how you've been affected by it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've certainly seen a lot of um, a lot more signups to our platform. Um, definitely over COVID, especially that you know we were one of the initial thought leaders in the space where we you know were thinking about when COVID COVID just happened you know, it, it kind of threw everyone back. And then I was like, you know, even with my company, I was like, you know, we were all kind of like <laughs> devastated by this whole thing. But I was like, you know what? Like maybe what we're building can really help in the future, right? So, uh, you know, so then it really just kind of reinvigorated everyone and we started thinking positive about it. And, you know, we're actually 
now well positioned to actually uh, leverage our technology to really help people, especially in the you know delivery space using voice, um, and then also you know on premise dining solutions as well that we're working on, where you can you know go into a restaurant, you know scan a QR code and just uh, you know talk to the AI instead of. Getting a waiter, right? Yeah, that's so cool. And, and obviously, I'm very bullish on, on voice with doing podcasting, but just in general, with like you said, with Alexa, Alexa skills and everything. And I think we had um, Max from Volley, I want to say the company is a, a voice first Alexa skills uh, company, speaking one of my classes at USC when I was doing the MBA. And it's, it's an interesting space to be in. I'm curious with Jetson, how are companies, people using Jetson? You said the Shopify of like voice. So how are people typically using this, uh, this platform? Yeah, so I'll kind of go into uh, a little bit of a you know the story. So you know when we yeah. created uh, Jetson, uh, you know I was I was really I was working at another uh, IoT startup, and I had led the uh, Google Glass integration in 2014 uh, into a smart lock platform, and then um, and then also led the uh, Alexa integration into that platform as well. Um, so it was a mass market smart lock product that, you know, you could talk to Alexa and it would unlock your door, right? Yeah. Uh, now with, you know, when, when I started to have Alexa in the house, I, I really got excited for it. So, um, you know, I was, you know, if you've ever tried to buy anything um, with on Amazon, uh, on the Alexa, you know, you really, um, it's really just a one-shot experience, right? Uh, I, you know, I was when I first got the Alexa, I, I thought I could buy anything off of. <laughs> so I think millions of other people thought the same thing. And then I remember I was brushing my teeth one day, ran out of toothpaste, and go, Alexa ordered me toothpaste, and you know, and all she did was give me that one-shot recommendation. You know, she didn't ask me if I wanted cavity protection, whitening, um, you know, how many tubes, what size, you know, all those things that are indicative of e-commerce, right? So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just use this thing to uh, um, check the weather and listen to music, right? But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the problem still plagued me. So uh, what I yeah. ended up doing was, um, you know, I created a, I took actually early on IBM Watson's technology and I created a pizza ordering demo from that because, you know, all the all of the good uh, technologies proliferate with uh, pizza first, right? <laughs> think about of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first guy that bought the pizza with Bitcoin, you know, that was probably the most expensive pizza. But <laughs> so, yeah, I created a pizza ordering demo and then I created a, a I took a same platform and then uh, did a voice and visual interface on mobile where we uh, did like a McDonald's demo. Um, so we started with food first and really a lot of my advisors in the space said, um, you know, if you can start with food, you can order anything because, it, you know, it takes into account all the accents, cuisine types, you know, uh, the modifications uh, to an order, et cetera, right? So that's a really highly complex multi-step uh, type of transaction um, as well. So uh, once we started to uh, be able to build that, we then, um, uh, you know, we then went to New York and you know, raise some money and then started to kind of open up uh, different avenues as well. So um, today a restaurant can uh, come online. We have an integration with uh, delivery.com. Um, we're finishing up our integration with Square. We have an integration with uh, a platform called Brandable, uh, which, you know, allows someone to, you know, start selling on Alexa, Google Home, uh, Facebook Messenger, you know, text or over the phone. Uh, and then yeah. the AI takes the order and then pushes that in 
through to the, their POS system, right? And then so it really just takes that order in a very uh, frictionless and automated way uh, from the end user side. And then from the, the restaurant side, um, it's, it's really just an, an easy uh, integration. They don't have to figure out how to, um, you know, design a voice experience. They don't have to hire a team and spend millions of dollars to build out their own voice technology for, you know, for $49 a month, a restaurant can just uh, sign up for Jetson as they would Shopify or something like that, add their menu items. Um, they can train it on the back end, and then they can also click these one, uh, one click integration. So if they have like, for example, Square, which we're actually about to release soon, that integration, uh, you know, they can click that they have Square and then um, as a POS system, and then they can deploy in a matter of minutes uh, their their voice ordering menu. And then also, um, we then moved into you know a few different verticals. And the, the next big vertical that we've moved into is um, uh, retail. So uh, you know we just uh, uh, signed a partnership with Shopify, and Shopify allows us to um, distribute our app in their marketplace and allow e-commerce retailers to really. Uh, just come on, uh, you know, come online um, yeah. and then say, hey, you know, I want to voice enable my store. And in one click, they could do that. Right. So uh, that's where we're really heavily focused right now, um, especially, uh, you know, e-commerce, that business is uh, and retail or online retail is, is starting to grow, especially because of uh of you know COVID, <laughs> so, yes, I think we're all positioned and in a really good uh, place. Um, but another uh, another vertical that we moved into was uh, the hotel industry, but uh, we kind of set that aside right now to focus more on um, uh, you know food and and retail as well during the pandemic. Yeah, and one thing with that too, just going back a little bit, how are you thinking through? who your initial customers were and how do you want to grow, especially early on when you, you literally just launched? Like, how are you thinking through that like, in the early days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the early days, um, I just wanted to build out a core technology and uh, license it to the enterprise, right? Which was still, uh, you know, still a good strategy. But the thing is, you know, the enterprise, they, they move kind of slow, right? <laughs> and, you know, yes. when you're like a startup that, you know, like in my first or my second year when I moved up to New York, I, I, I was able to raise, you know, pre-revenue, um, like $1.1 million, right? So yep. you don't have that much runway, you know, to to be waiting on the enterprise, right? So, uh, but at the end of the day, like what we do understand is we, you know, we had been reached out to by, you know, at least 30, 40 enterprise companies, which um, provided us really good insights of where they are. With voice, which I think they're 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 moving towards that soon, but you know th that was the way that we were trying to get customers, right? We were trying to sign LOIs and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, it was just too early, right? <laughs> um, yeah, just not ready yet for that. Yeah, what I really did was um, I then you know really was like, I think that there's just going to be people, especially early adopters, that just love voice that want to, they're intrigued by voice and they just need an easy way to do it, right? Um, yeah. And if you can serve like the the small to medium-sized business market, right, then, you know, if that, if you can get some customers and show some use cases, um, that's where like the enterprise will will start to come on as well. And then it's, it's easier to like onboard somebody at, you know, $49 a month 
you know, than to, you know, sign a huge enterprise contract, right? But at the end of the day, we have both now, right? So we, yeah. we, signed, a, we signed a partnership with the livery.com, with the RevShare partnership. Um, you know, we have a, a signed partnership with the Shopify, Amazon Pay, et cetera, right? Um, but at the at the end of the day, our business model is is really just to provide like the best type of service. So if you really think about it, if you really think about the Shopify model, it's the same way, you know, at first they, they serve the, the small to medium sized businesses and then and then they then created Shopify Plus for um, you know, the enterprise. So, you know, with with our technology, you know, we have we're the only voice commerce platform today that I've seen that has a, a, a full on turnkey platform. So you can go on, sign up. Uh, you can actually create a free account where you can add your business information and you can add, you know, a daily deal. Um, and that's free. So and that's where our voice search engine comes into play. So we had to create a voice search engine um, and then to, for discoverability. And then if you end up, if you're also a, um, you know, a business that wants to start selling products, you know, you just pay $49 a month and you can. And what we've been seeing is that a lot of people that sign up for the starter account, you know, they, they end up upgrading to a seller account. Yep, classic kind of model. And to, I still want to go back to in terms of like the early days as well. Who did you convince to work with this on you? Or was it just you early on kind of building stuff? Like, how did that process go? Yeah, it was, it's really interesting. Um, so, you know, I was in Orlando, Florida. And, um, you know, once I kind of got the initial idea, I got hooked in with, um, I, I had an early co-founder before, um, but more, more so an advisor in the space. Um, you know, like a small percentage uh, uh, advisor. So, but he really helped me um, get positioned in understanding what is about to come, right? And uh, I was working with like a company called Cognitive Code to really help them. They they created a voice recognition uh, software platform where it was really kind of cool. Actually, it kind of you had a face, you could talk to it. <laughs> Um, but the really the the designing of the voice user experience was something that they've always had some challenges with. And because of myself, I, at, at my last company, I was a head of marketing and design. Uh, so I have a user experience background, especially as it related to like emerging technologies, like, a, you know, um, with IoT and, and, and using machine learning and so forth. So and, and, and voice is no different. So, um, you know, I think that is where kind of I got the initial um, traction to, to really understand the industry. And then I started, and then I got hooked in with, uh, one of my advisors, um, from, uh, my last company, he followed me out into my new company, uh, as well. Another advisor that uh, worked for, uh, Goldman Sachs. He was an executive at Goldman Sachs, uh, worked in the voice space, uh, during the days of Dragon Dictate, <laughs> um, which is uh, a really early voice platform. But back then I think, uh, you know, it was like 70 or 80% accuracy, but now we're reaching over like 95 to 96%. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah. So that's where voice recognition is, you know, it's not, it's not going to be just a fad. It's actually going to be a new interface. Right. So he really gave me a lot of insights on the early, early days. And, you know, especially when we talk about like food ordering, like Dragon Dictate was trying to do something in the food ordering space. Right. So, um, you know, but that's that's where I got a lot of really good insights. And I was really lucky to have a lot of good advisors to kind of like steer me in the right direction um, as well. And then, you know, for for me 
you know, from an omni-channel strategy standpoint. So what we call ourselves is voice first. So it's not, not just voice, it's, you know, it's any platform the user wants to engage on, right? So whether it's voice or messaging, it's still going to be a similar conversation. And um, that true omni-channel approach, you know, really came from uh, attending like industry events, you know, from the telecom industry, where I used to, I used to speak at those uh, conferences and then um, at, at retail conferences as well. So, so this is where it, everything kind of culminates into, you know, um, Jetson, what Jetson is today. Yeah. And one thing, just going back as well, because I, I know for, for, for early founders, especially that like, oh yeah, I just like went and raised a million dollars or $2 million. Like, wait, how did you do, like, how'd you do that? So uh, with that, what you said, you did, did it pre-revenue and everything as well. Take me through that fundraising process for you. How did that go? Oh my God. The, the fundraising process was, I've got a lot of really good insights at my last company um, where, you know, I, I came in at a million dollars and then they raised up to $20 million. Right. Um, you know, so I got a good education, right? Uh, <laughs> yep. you know, he, uh, the CEO, and he was a really good CEO. Um, you know, and for me, it's like, you know, I, I packed my bags. I, I built this thing in Florida, you know, and I packed my bags, went up to New York City, and I was super intimidated. I was living in a basement in Brooklyn. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, uh, luckily, like my, uh, my roommate in Brooklyn, um that was living you know in in one of the small rooms uh, you know he was a developer <laughs> and you know he helped me build some of this stuff as well uh you know i paid him to do it so and then i was i was like running out of money at this at this point because i'm like you know paying someone else to help me build um, this product i'm building it as well and um you know i sold everything in 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 Florida, and you know, then luckily, like three months later, I, I hooked up with uh, an investor in the in the real estate space. Mind you, it was interesting, and it was a family office, and you know, they they really took a big bet on me, and uh, you know, gave me you know my first one point one million dollars to um, you know build out this product, uh, pre revenue, and then and then after that, I just continued to raise uh, more money from people that were interested in the product from a, from an angel investment side, and and then uh, most recently, uh, I, I raised another one point one million dollars um, through this uh, platform called Micro Ventures, where uh, actually my friend, uh, you know, that went to the same college as me, you know, worked at that the, the company. He goes, hey, he's like, I think you should just try this, you know. Um, I'm like. <laughs> Okay, I guess like let, let's just try this, and you know uh, what happened was we like we like crushed it. We crushed the numbers. Like um, I remember, I was only going to raise a hundred thousand from him, and it the the amount of investments that poured in, like it it just um, it happened so fast that we had to like move it up to one point one million. <laughs> you know, and, that's insane peter yeah and like and what ended up happening is that we oversubscribed to almost two million dollars and like there's there's investors that oh like oversubscribed and they still can't get into they couldn't get into the round so it was <laughs> which which platform did you use for that it was micro ventures so micro ventures and yeah. you didn't know about beforehand you hear about this this platform like how does it work or how does that how does it go with that because i'm not familiar it's like any type of uh, regu it's like regulation crowdfunding so think about um like seed invest or uh like think about kickstarter right but kickstarter yep. is um that's like crowdfunding for your particular product project and there's no equity this is actually 
people that micro invest into the company actually get equity in Jetson, right? So instead of, of raising it around through like a, a traditional venture capitalist, you you just do that through a crowdfunding platform and you kind of democratize that whole experience um, where, you know, the, you know, a person like you and I can, you know, invest 100, 200, you know, $10,000, you know, it really all depends on what you want to do. And then you get um, what they call, you, you get a piece of equity in the company, right? And then, um, so what we're doing right now is we're actually about to launch what we call a, a Reg A plus, uh, because um, what, what we did it under before was a Reg CF, which was regulation crowdfunding, but the Reg A plus allows us to raise up to $50 million over any 12 month period through uh, crowdfunding. So I really, you know, for me, this type of, uh, this type of model is um, a model that's gonna really disrupt the venture capital industry. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard of different models with this. I think Start Engine has equity crowdfunding as well. There's maybe some other ones uh, with that. Does it become an issue with the cap table being so large, essentially, with all these different investors? Like, how does that go once you have the investment from this route? Yeah, and it's it's, it's easy because uh, what we can do is we represent we represent micro ventures on a on the single line item in the cap table, but we also then use a transfer agent to um, to really. Uh, handle all of like the different crowd notes as well. So we just hire what they call a transfer agent to handle all the different crowd notes. So it doesn't like um, take up all that room in the in the cap table. Is it does everyone once they invest like do they get a certain amount of contact with you? Like how does that typically go? Because I imagine people want to have a say if they're investing, but I don't know how this this platform works. How does that go? How has that gone at least for you so far? Yeah, so actually with, um, you know, micro ventures, like while you're uh, conducting your raise, there's a discussion forum. So yeah, uh, I had a lot of people ask me a lot of questions, right? I answered <laughs> yep. the question really well. So that's why, you know, the investments continue to pour in, right? And it's really all about, you know, a lot of it is about the vision and then how, you know, you know, how I'm going to run the company. And, you know, what, what really touches me is that a lot of people are really big believers in, in what I'm doing. And it just makes me feel really good. You know, they're almost like fans in a way, you know? <laughs> yeah. And with that too, like, what was the sell? Like, you know, you're, you're going to investors and you have this, all these people supporting you, which is like complete validation for your idea, which has to feel, feel great. As you mentioned, like, what is, what was the way you're selling them on this idea? Like just selling the idea of a voice, growing so much and you know the whole like jetson is the shopify voice commerce is a huge selling point like, how are you selling people on on your company yeah i mean really um so it's a combination of different things right so you know you all, you obviously have to show a product demo right of that working um you know i also uh have a video of me in norway um on stage i'm a little famous in norway i guess <laughs> Sending the product uh -oh. to, to like over 1,600 people. So I think, you know, like the, the credibility that I have as a thought in the space, I think really helps oh, sell yeah. that. I think um, a combination of um, the partnerships that we had signed as well um, really helped out. And then it really just, uh, you know, the, then I also did an interview um, with <clears throat> uh, someone named Neil Patel, which he... Um, yeah. He really helped out with the with the crowdfunding. So he did. Uh, he put me in what they call a hot seat, and he like 
basically, and I answered the question <laughs> beautifully and, you know, really helped the investments poured in. But I think the most important part was really the attention that I paid to uh, the, the people as they were asking questions. And I was very responsive during the fundraising process. And, you know, I think uh, that transparency was good. But but yeah, I think it's a combination of a, a lot of different things. And I, and I, I certainly believe that, you know, there's just you know, there's different ways that people raise money, you know, uh, for me, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, I, no, I love the traditional venture capital route, but I, I love the way that uh, regulation crowdfunding actually just streamlines the process, right? So it's not up to one person, it's up to a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because it's almost like you have your customer discovery in the equity crowdfunding process. Yeah. Like they're asking all these questions. And then it helps you conform like how you're going to create the product potentially, depending on what the questions are. But um, it, it seems like an interesting way to do kind of do customer discovery through this process as you're going and you find out what people are actually asking about or caring about more as opposed to other features, for instance. Is that your experience? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And because they ask a lot of those those questions. I mean, they're, they're actually, they ask more questions than any venture capitalist has ever asked. <laughs> so it really helped me think through my business model, which was good, and I really feel strong about the business model. And then, um, but also, what's really cool is that, like, when you go and raise another round, right? Like, as you start to acquire customers, those customers also want might want to invest in your company as well. So, um, you know, it's all about having that list of people that you know that that are your following, right? And that continue to support you uh, and believe that you could be the next you know, transformational tech company. And it doesn't have to come through, like, it doesn't have to be invested in by, like, the, the soft banks, right? It, you know, it could be, uh, you know, fully democratized uh, in this way, in this fashion. So um, maybe we'll become, you know, maybe we could become one of the first, uh, you know, crowdfunded unicorns. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a first, right, Peter? <laughs> And, and with that, so looking at your company, you had mentioned enterprise, you had mentioned kind of the, uh, comparing to Shopify, how they started with Shopify and then Shopify Plus. How do you look at growth for your company and customer acquisition? Yeah. And what I've, you know, what the main thing is that right now we're building out this conversational marketplace and really just trying to uh, unify a very fragmented market. I think we're almost creating this market because not everybody is on voice and not everyone is, you know, inside of an ecosystem where they can just start selling um, through voice, right? So, you know, you know, our customer acquisition strategy is really, you know, we've, we've signed those enterprise partnerships, right? And I really think that yeah. they bring a multitude of customers, a customer base. Like for us, like Delivery.com integration, you know, allowed us to uh, take in a um, over 10,000 merchants, right? And, you know, input over 1.1 million products into our marketplace. Um, so that's that's good. And then we have like a, a rev share with them. And then, you know, with, um, you know, with Shopify, we're about to launch in their marketplace right now. We have the integration where someone can sign up and, and integrate with a one click. But right now we're about to launch in their marketplace, which has access to over 800,000 retailers, right? Oh man! So that's where, like, I really focus in on the product and the ability to scale that product because I know that my product, once I plug in those pieces, is just gonna blow up, right? So, uh, I grew the technical team, you know, for the past three years. Has really been focused on scalability um, and really 
uh, user experience and, and then being able to just handle the load of customers as, as we start to bring them on board. Um, well. Yeah. And with that, so one thing that comes to mind right away from that, you have to you have to build this thing out first. Well, you have to build it out. You have to also sell it. So how did that go? How has that gone the last three years as you understand like, okay, we need to build out the actual platform itself, but then we need to you know, line up these enterprise companies or partnerships like you mentioned already. How do you look at that as, as you lead in the company on the side of, okay, this is how much we need to do on the actually building the product versus this is what we need to do on the selling and how that aligns. How have you thought about that? Yeah, and it's a, it's a really tough thing because, you know, with with a lot of startups, um, it's, you know, really focused on revenue, right? Is your company making money, right? And, right. Um, and that's really going to be one of the big determinants of like the traditional VC, right? You know, but luckily for me, like my thing is I because this product is so complex, right? And like even like, Right, the the top companies in the world, like you know, um, the Googles and Amazons, you know, really don't have a similar capability. Right, uh, it it took a lot of work in terms of research and development and so forth. Right, so that's why I really focused in on making sure that I could build this type of product that could scale and would you know could be able to capture data in order to make the AI more intelligent and, and things like that. Right, so I really focused in on that. So. I would, you know, for me as a, as a startup CEO, I really, it's really all about understanding you and your strengths, right? It's like, for me, I'm really good at selling, right? So, you know, I, I know that I could raise money pre-revenue, right? And built to build out this technology, but not everybody could do that, right? Um, a lot yeah. of people just focus on just building to just get as much revenue as possible, right? With whatever product they can. And then what they realize is that they can't scale um, when it comes to the later stages. And that's that's the, the main reason why most startups fail, right? So, you know, I really focus in on um, building the product first. And, and I'm a product-centric person because I think if you have a good product, then it's it, people will just keep coming back, right? It's, it's, that's, that's the main thing, right? And then uh, from a distribution standpoint, um, you know, I really focus on in on brand, right? Like, and for me, it's you know, if Jetson, right? Jetson sounds like you know, a butler, but then also like generations of people, um, you know, watch the Jetsons, right? Yep. <laughs> I, have trade, I have the trademark on it for speech recognition software, right? So, um, you know, so that's good, and you know, so I think brand is really important. So. Uh, I think that really helped with uh, the fundraising as well. With you, you mentioned real quick. You mentioned that um, you, you understood that you were good at selling. You could do that. What are some aspects of selling or things that people should know about selling, especially early on with their startup? Like, how do you do it well? Like, because you, you have that skill you mentioned. Like, I'm curious as to what you think about that and, and how like other people should think about selling their their startup or their idea, especially early on. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's really all about okay, being able to have that recurring revenue, right? Um, you know, for for me, I, I kind of went through some of the kind of pain points of like, you know, you know, trying to work with the enterprise, right, and sell into the enterprise, especially this new type of technology. Um, you know, we we but we were able to successfully sign um, contracts, right? So, uh, and agreements for like uh, and partnerships, so. You know, I think that's that's good early on. Like, you know, I think from a selling standpoint, if you can if you can start having discussions with the enterprise and get some sort of agreement signed, 
in order for um, like a partnership, um, yep. sort of go-to-market strategy. That'll help you raise money, right? Um, and that's what you ultimately need to do to raise money. And raising money is 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 sales. That's all it is, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're selling somebody on your idea, and that's the ultimate sales, right? And then when it comes to your product, you have to think about scalability. Like, so for me, you know, I sold into the enterprise, signed partnerships. Um, that could help us from a go-to-market strategy standpoint. And then we then focused in on like our a SaaS platform where we said, okay, you know, what we want to do is we want to make this, um, you know, this thing repeatable, right? And, yep. you know, for me, it's like, I, I know I'm successful if I'm making money while I'm sleeping, right? So, <laughs> so if I do that, then that's going to be highly important. So, but it's, it, you know, it's not easy to do everything at, at the same time, um, but it just require it requires a lot of work and, and hard, hard work and dedication at the end of the day. But just understanding that you should have both a short-term strategy and a long-term strategy. So my long-term strategy is, was, um, you know, to work with the enterprise. Um, and then my short-term strategy was to, you know, start signing up people right away for $49 a month. Yeah, and they, obviously they go they go hand in hand, and enterprise can be a huge, a huge, huge revenue stream when you have them on board. Um, and as you look to kind of the next steps with Jetson, like what are some of those next steps now as you're looking to the future, whether it be the next like six, twelve months? Yeah, the way I look at it, so right now <clears throat> from the restaurant side, you know, I you know I've always believed that you know if you have a company with a good mission that's really there to help people you're going to do really well, right? You're going to be very successful. So, you know, you know, our thing is to really look at this, how this pandemic has affected um, society today, right? Utilize our technology in order to continue to create a touchless future. Um, you know, one product that we're working on right now that we're about to launch is, uh, you know, the ability for the uh, QR code, right? So if, you, if, you, if, on, if you're going into a restaurant, you know, today, they don't even hand out menus anymore there's a QR code, right? So being able to um, scan that and then, you know, have Jetson take your order as if there was a, you know, a waiter, right? I think that's uh, completely contactless. So that's that's um, interesting. Um, so we're about to launch that and, and really get that into the on-premise side uh, versus before where we just focus on like e-commerce and delivery and like food delivery. Uh, we're starting to see that AI is gonna start to permeate not only the home, but also like in the commercial space um as well so that's that's interesting and then also you know the next steps of jetson is really to really start to create uh establish ourselves as kind of de facto company in voice commerce that allows us to you know set those standards for for e-commerce or voice commerce right so if you think about the early days um you know of the internet people were like trying to sell things on the internet using a bunch of different uh, ways to do it on a single web page, right? But like as yep. um, open source platforms started to come out and or platforms like Shopify came out, it really helped democratize and help those businesses come online faster, right? Um, you know, if you think about eBay, Etsy, all those different pieces, you know, there's a, a standard in e-commerce. Like every everyone has a checkout, everyone has a cart, everyone has, categories, you know, uh, search filters, right? So really helping create that those standards in in voice um, is, is really what we want to do for the, the next step. And then it's really all about leading through 
um, the product here, you know, as well. And then at the end, the really long term is my, is my goal is to, you know, as we start to mass commercialize, Jetson starts to become highly successful. What we want to do is we want to uh, start to um, leverage that uh, customer data in an, an anonymized way in order to make yep. AI more, more intelligent. So if you look at Jetson's logo, um, you know, I designed that logo and that logo is half, you know, pink and then half um, white and one, it represents, a, you know, the balance between man and machine, which I really believe as we start to get more data, because like right now, the AI industry, in, in order to get to what they call AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which, is, which will have human level thinking, we need to have um, more data, right? And being able to capture data uh, through Jetson and really start to, in an anonymized way, train the AI become like um, you know hyper intelligent. Uh, that will also start to, I believe, will start to become the basis and in, in the brain for uh, robotics, right? So, um, so that's where we want to kind of take our platform. Uh, you know, way down the line long term so that we'll be able to really help create, um, you know, a really hyper intelligent robotics um, you know, platform as well. Yeah. Yeah. And as Jetson grows, it's like, yeah, you just get more and more users to provide that data it's then to make it better and better and just kind of a vicious cycle of sorts, it seems like. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because with like with Jetson, it's it's not like a mobile app where someone can just copy, right? It's yeah. It's an AI that continually gets smarter and smarter, and <laughs> right. So it just continues to grow from there. And then, and with Jetson too. Then, so like you're obviously an artificial intelligence to to create this voice first platform. What other opportunities do you see, or do you think about? I'm just curious because as you're building this company, I'm sure there's things that pop in your mind. But what other opportunities are in artificial intelligence, or way, ways you see this going to be applied in other industries or other capacities? Yeah, definitely. I think the IoT industry is going to be huge. You know. Uh, um, with Jetson and, and our platform. And, um, you know, the I, the way I look at it is that, you know, any smart device that has a speaker and a microphone becomes a surface of purchase for the end user. So instead of having to always be heads down on your mobile device, you can just go through life um, and just talk to any device and you can start to make a purchase. So for example, if it's a smart refrigerator or something like that, you can it can have um, you know Jetson technology built in, and if you need to order eggs and milk and cheese, you know you could do that through Jetson and have it delivered, right? So uh, that's really where I, I feel like you know our technology is is going is it's really uh, you know taking a look at uh, not just you know the PC and the, the phone, but you know all of the digital devices around you, and and really how do we integrate uh, technology into the world around you where it becomes less painful and more more frictionless and and really and it's all about creating that um, you know that higher quality of life and and making technology painless especially as technology becomes more advanced right um it needs to become painless uh, for anyone that's trying to use it yeah and and it it does and it's it's looking like it continues to advance and advance and we see more tools, we see more more technology out there that's making it easier. And whether it be, like, even you mentioned Shopify already, but like whether it be like Shopify who made it so easy to create a store, whether it be uh, even like I talked to some recently uh, about for, uh, no code tools and using that to create some basic, more basic uh, websites and, and apps, but also some that are more advanced, honestly, with some of these no code things. So like, it's interesting how that makes it easier 
for that. But then it's at that point, like, what, what do you build with these tools? What do you build to make people's lives easier to then provide value? And obviously Jetson seems to be doing something incredibly valuable. So people will pay for that. So we'll see how it evolves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very excited and excited for the next few years because um, it's, it's certainly going to be a wild ride. Yeah. And then digging down just a little bit into like you and kind of you as a CEO, how do you, how do you plan your day? I don't know if it's different in COVID now, but I'm always curious on people's like schedules. Like how do you manage your day from getting up to going to bed? Like what does that typically look like for you? Yeah, typically, you know, I'll wake up, um, you know, I'll, I'll meditate a little bit because I always have a lot of things going on in my head. So I just, I have to meditate. um, And then, you know, I just jump in the shower um, and then, Right today, I actually, I go to the office, but in New York, you know, I, I used to do the same thing uh, until COVID happened. And, but, you know, right now, you know, I just got married as well. So oh, no, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, my wife was living out in LA, so I ended up moving out here with her. And then, um, you know, so you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, being at home all the time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> productive. So like, um you know, especially as a newlywed. So like, I was like, you know, I need to, you know, you know get an office here and, and really start to, you know, you know, kind of build out some ground uh, bases over here. Like half the team actually already lives in LA and half the team is in New York anyway. So, um, you know, so I think you know, for me, yeah, so that's my day. Like I'm, I'm here and I'm working, I'm on calls all day. Um, you know, sometimes I don't even have time to eat lunch, uh, but then I, I, I go home, uh, I'll, you know, I'll have dinner with my wife and then uh, exercise a little bit and, and read and, uh, you know, go to bed and do it all over again. Do you, this is from a, a place where I'm always trying to learn from this side of things of like, do you decide on a certain time when you're going to end work every day? Or does it just depend on what, like how the day goes? How do you decide when to stop? Because as an entrepreneur, you can always, <laughs> it, could, it could be nonstop in theory, 24 seven. Yeah, I think for me, it's, uh, you know, at, at some level you have to have the work-life balance i think in the, the first couple of years you know um it's, it's working all the time um but i am married you know like i have to you know spend time with uh with my wife right so i i do leave the office at you know six o'clock i have dinner but sometimes i get back on my phone right and then and then do some work as well um you know at home so it really all depends. It's but it's you know it's, it's something that you just kind of have to work out and just make making sure you have that balance is key because it's it's all about the long term, right? And this is what I've learned about businesses or anything in life. It's is if you think about the long term, you can't lose, right? Because you're always just going to keep going for it, right? And you know if you if you just think about your the short term and you're you're just you're burning yourself out. You just don't have you don't have the gas to, to continue for the long term, right? So, and that's something that I had to learn as an entrepreneur because I am I am a workaholic and thing <laughs> that you know I had to learn over time. And and actually, my wife really helped with, with me with that as well. Um, is just really having that work life balance. And what she's you know what she's taught me is that you know you can do it all. You know, you just have to learn how to manage your time and and make the the right decisions and better decisions. And, you know, so that you're not wasting time. Right. So. Yeah. And thinking about doing it all, but yeah. not at the same time. <laughs> like you can, you can do it all. Like you can't do it all right now. Uh, and that's definitely a challenge for entrepreneurs. I've seen across the the hundred plus interviews now so far as well. It's just like, you have to prioritize and there is 
some semblance of balance, whatever that means. And it depends on the stage of the company. It really does depend on, you know, how early are you, how much progress you made. You're already three years into this company. So it is, it's definitely, I'm sure, different than at the start was. Um, and, and one thing I always like to actionable kind of takeaways too, is there any particular books you like or that you would suggest to others, business or otherwise? Yeah, definitely. I think there are the book, you know, that I really like is uh, From Good to Great. So really how you take a, you know, a good company, uh, to great and it's really all about you know leadership right and and really you know going from you know there's like level four leaders right which you know are leaders that are high flying CEOs etc and there's like there's like level five leaders right where you don't care about the credit you just want to see the thing work so I'm always trying to stay in the level five category and it's really important to you know to be humble and hum- and to have humility you know and because that's the only way you can grow you know. Uh, as well, so so that's that's really uh, a good book uh, so from good to great, and uh, I really like also the book Crossing the Chasm, right? So really, right now that that book is all about you know how do you acquire customers? It teaches you about the different types of customers you have, like pioneers, early adopters, early majority, late majority, right? Um, and really how to you know go. Uh, go in for the long run, right? And how do you cross that chasm of like kind of creating this market where, you know, um, you know, it's first is an idea and then you have to get people used to it and then you have to change human behavior, right? And then eventually uh, that'll happen, you know, as well as, as you start to get traction. And then um, another book I like is um, Traction. That's, that, that's the, there's a book called Traction. Yep. And it talks about that 90 day rock. So really just having something to hold on to um, with that 90 day rock is, is something that you know, is, is a guiding principle here. And, you know, for me at least, cause if I can stay focused on the, one of the, the most important things, uh, you know, then it'll allow me to also grow. And then also like things about like letting go of the vine, you know, which is, uh, grow. Yeah. um, you know, for me, you know, I, 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 I built this thing in my bedroom and I was, it was like my baby, you know, and then like, <laughs> like do it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but at, you know, at the end of the day, you have to you have to learn how to lead, you know, and you have to learn how to trust, and and you can only grow by letting go of the vine. So, yeah, there's that. a few of the books that you know, I, I there there certainly more, um, you know, that I that I like, but those are probably the. Yeah, and and one last thing here, Peter, looking looking back on your entrepreneurial career so far, the last few years building Jetson, is there anything you would do different? Looking back, is there anything you do different? Yeah, I mean, I would say what I would do different is, um, you know, I would certainly have stuck. I would have certainly, I should have started with the SMB market um, first and then, you know, uh, versus trying to chase the enterprise. I, I think I would have done that first. And then if, because if you can, if, because it with the SMB market, you know, you can, it's easier to sell a, a smaller guy on a small amount of money than like a larger guy on a, on a large amount of money, if that makes sense. Right. So I would have yep. started that first because you can learn a lot from the small customers. Um, um, and then also, you know, what I would have done is I would have focused on um, making sure that you know, you have the right people in the right seats, right? So, and really, you know, not just, you know, when I first took money, I just, I felt like I just had to like hire people and build, you know? 
think culture is really important. So I think like um, there's some people that I hired that did not fit the culture. And like, I think that early on, you know, I, I mean, I address it quickly, but I, you know, I, it, it's something that, you know, the, really understanding the culture you want to build and the, the, you know, setting those core values down and, and really, you know, starting from there. I think people are the most important part of the company, right? And if you can take care of your people and people are happy there, uh, they'll build you a great product, right? And they'll work extra hard for you. Um, if, you know, if you're just hiring people just because you just wanted to build fast and, you know, and, and what I urge a CEO to do is not, is to really, you know, work with the investors that, you know, that understand those, those principles, not just want you to build and, and, you know, just get revenue right away. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I think that's, uh, you know, one thing that maybe I would have done differently as well, or yeah. communicated to my investor, like, um, you know, this is what I want to do. Right. Versus, you know, just saying yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure is hard, though, uh, yeah. to know the time. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's definitely hard um, because because I understand their need, you know, you know, to want to help uh, as well. And then really all about the metrics and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you can't just go out there with a bad product. <laughs> you know, you can't just go out there with a bad product um, and and expect it, you know, expect people to love it, right? So, you know, important, most importantly is build your, you know, MVP, um, but in a way that, that people love it, like your most lovable product, yeah. right? And then, um, and then that, that comes from the passion that the, 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 the people that you hire in your organization put into, into the product. Yeah. And I think you're building something great with Jetson. And it, it seems like, especially with, with where you're at in the marketplace, that it's, one, it's it's well needed. You can see the progression of, of voice, and it seems like it'll just keep going and keep growing, which I hope it does. And where can people learn more about Jetson and all you're doing, Peter? Yeah, you can definitely learn more about Jetson by going to www.jetson.ai. And then also, uh, we're about to launch our crowdfunding uh, campaign for the Reg A Plus soon. So um, you can go to microventures.com uh, and look for it through the investments uh, portal. Awesome. I look forward to checking it out. And I have been super interested in like micro investing. So I'm definitely going to take a look uh, as I really like what you're building as well. And uh, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.